have one question, Gurdjieff, maybe yeah. I can ask. So the perceiver, mm. very quickly, I can. Everything is perceived. Everything is perceived. So everything is perceived. I mean, everything is perceived, really. Well, you see, everything that everything is perceived that the attention lands upon with some interest, because the eyes can open and they sweep across everything in the room. But what do they really see? In fact, it's not the eyes that see. It's the eyes. It's only the lens. It's the mind that sees. And so it it scans everything here, doesn't? It? Because you don't blink to see another thing. Yes, everything is caught in that gaze. You see. But it, there's no recording particularly. It's like it's like um, looking through the lens of a camera and taking something, but there's no SD card in it. There's no film. That nothing is being, you know, really, no impression is being made in the consciousness. So normally that's how we're looking. Actually, we look momentarily. Say, oh, it looks like a nice day outside. But you didn't see this leaf. You didn't see this thing. You didn't see. You just had a feeling, and you just have the feeling. But uh, when you land, and the eyes land on something, and the mind starts to develop a thinking around it, then you can say the thinking is there, and that is being perceived. I can look on the shelf behind you, and I can see you know so many bottles. But I may say, "Wow, is that the frankincense? That's really good." And I'm in I'm in perception with that at the moment. The other things appear in the same field. Of um, which we say physical seeing, but the physical seeing is not registering. It is the emotional and the psychological, and the meaningful seeing that 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 is really anchored in perception. So that's why we say that the, the the perceiver can perceive. It can somehow seemingly choose what it wants to land on, and then create a kind of interest in that thing, and then that's almost like the machine starts to record. You know, like this, and sometimes it saves something if it feels strong. Well, you know, that, you know, it saves it somewhere. Otherwise, it just it looks at this, it plays with this, but when it moves on to the next thing, this is dropped and it just moves like that. So the perceiver is perceiving potentially and actually. Potentially, I can perceive everything in this room if I give my, you know, as much as possible, put my attention to each thing. Like if I was ask to remember as many items that I can see, I might be looking in a different way, like you know to remember that I saw this and then looking more deeper way, and then i can rec- i can I can recall, oh yeah, there was this and that and this and this and this and this and this and this and this, so because I made an intention to hold on to some things, so the perceiver is perceiving um, but then the question comes i mean whatever it is that it, that is made of the five elements. And it's also a construct of imagination, or, or like this. All of that is perceivable in the eyes of the perceiver. And the perceiver doesn't just perceive through the physical, biological eyes in the head. Perceiving means just to, you know, it can be something can be perceived also without the eyes. It's just perceived through feeling and, you know, thought and memory and, you know, in different ways. So, the perceiver is perceiving both in the external physical so a sense of the physical world and so on and internally the realm of feelings and thoughts emotions and so on all these are perceivables um, so 
you can say that uh, all that we perceive is variable. I mean, it's it's you know it, it doesn't stick inside necessarily, it, and the constant seems to be the place from where the seeing comes from. That it can even be said that the very functioning of seeing is also perceived. Yeah. Now the question: Can the perceiver be perceived? Assumes a particularity around a seeker. And we feel that way, yeah. I mean, you know, you say, are you looking at all of this? And you say, yes, yes. So obviously, the one we take ourselves to be is synonymous with the perceiver. It's answering to the name of the perceiver, no? So then, can the perceiver be perceived? Meaning that if the perceiver be perceived, the perceiver now also becomes an object, like other objects in the view of a deeper field of seeing, which then takes the, the accolade as the perceiver then. If there is any perceiver that can be perceived, by what can it be perceived? A separate perceiver? If it is a separate perceiver, then the, then the previous position of the perceiver will now become a phenomenal or object, objective, and gives way to a deeper field of seeing. Can this uh, perceiving, which uh, is now neutralized, it's not anymore an object. The non-objective perceiver can that be perceived, and that really must move out of the mental arena. It has to be experiential. No mental answer can satisfy this question. It has to be a revelation. It has to be something so direct. It cannot keep answering to another perceiver. There's no another perceiver. So you know. One comes to what Chu really trying to hold this question. Can the perceiver be? The minute can perceiver be perceived, an image gets formed in the mind to say maybe that's the perceiver, but but that's also being perceived by the perceiver. So it cannot be the perceiver. So what is the purpose of the question if an answer cannot give it? It is to draw through the process of meditation, to to not leave. Um, a dualistic conclusion, like you know, I can see something. The perceiver cannot be something seen. It can be understood when I say it's a non-phenomenal recognition. It means that it's not outside of itself. It's not another thing. So this is self-perceiving. It, 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 only it can perceive itself. I say it's non-phenomenal. Mean that it has no quality that you can say okay. It's round, or it's flat, or it's heavy. It has nothing to answer to it. So, what is the name of that thing which has no name? What is the form of the thing which has no name and no quality? You see, and could the one who will now answer be separate from the thing itself? You see, the question to who who receives the question, who can answer this question? Can something answer on behalf of the ultimate thing? Can the ultimate thing answer for itself? Hmm. What it does, it pulls everything into this. It just pulls everything into this introspection, and uh, well, it just kind of blends them into nothing, basically. I mean, it's, it, it, what happens is that the we there's only the seer, but the seer somehow dreams or phenomenalizes itself into a personal being who's also seeing. And this ego is able to see something, but it's seeing on a very shallow basis, 
that what it sees, it wants some benefit from it or something. So this is not the original seer. It's acting as a seer, but it's not as profound, because it is appearing itself in the in the in in the realm of a deeper seeing. So how far can can that seeing go back? You see, the questions are where does where does the question come from even to ask? Who sends the question? You see, can the perceiver be perceived? So to keep it really the most practical way, we said, okay, the question is asked, and it provokes a certain response, or which is maybe not to answer but to look, just to search and to see, can this can this answer be known here, be known here or experienced here? And obviously, it's not the body is going to answer it. Just like I say, it's not the eyes that see it. Is the eyes uh, they are the lens that allows the mind to perceive. It's not the eyes that see. That's why I gave the example that you know you might see a dead a dead somebody's dead, but the eyes are open. Can they see? No, they can't see anything. At least not from not from those eyes anymore. Maybe they are, maybe that um, that entity is 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 perceiving from another dimension for a while. We are allowed to be in that state, this kind of crossing over state, where people experience, you know, what we call uh, NDE, near death experience, and for a while are the shock of it, and you're out of the body, but you're also in another body. You're out of the body, but you're in another more ethereal body, a more lighter body, a much more subtle and sensitive body. That doesn't work like this kind of. But it's a very heavy body. It's a very heavy. Body, you know, to, you know, and yet it is moved by the spirit, because mm, suppose suppose I faint, and you have to take me out of the room because it's a fire. You have to take me out. You know, it takes you know a good three people to lift this body, four maybe. But by itself, if I'm conscious, I can jump. So it shows that the the. The spirit inside, along with the vital force, is quite strong. It can lift itself, it can jump off the floor. If it's not there, I can't move. I can't. It's, it's just this is dead weight. It would take four human beings, pretty healthy one, to to lift this body and to carry it without touching the ground down to you know ten meters from here. But by myself, I can hop, boom, 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 boom. I'm there by myself. It doesn't take four people to move this body when I'm conscious of myself. So the vital force is very, very powerful, and the consciousness, the will to to do something. Without it, the body is just uh, a lump of meat, basically. And this question can it perceive or be perceived? It's a very powerful question. It's not a mental question. You have to, you know, as you start to look. Even if you start off mentally, actually your orientation start to change. If you're serious, it starts to change just how you feel and how you, how the, you know, just what the whole chemistry, the whole psychology, and inside the body begins to change just with this question even. Because it seems that it's, it's space. I mean, so the sense of going deeper, it's not true, but there's a sense of going mm. deeper. But there's only space. I mean, so. Well, there's only space likeness. It's not space itself, because space is quite um, inert in some way. Space is just space. 
It's not sentience. You see, and this is the sentience here, meaning that the the intelligence to to perceive and to understand that is sentience. Space does not have just sentience. You know, it's just space. It doesn't have. You know, it's not. It's, it's not. It's by itself. So that's why I say space-like, meaning that you know it is it is non-phenomenal. It's not. Um, you know, there was an. There's. They used to say that there are the five elements: water, earth, fire, ether, air, ether, air and space. But space has been taken out in some discussions because. Um, it is not really quantifiable. It's not really, tangible. you know, it's not. Yeah, it's not tangible in that way. Yet it is sensually perceived yeah. in the space. It is so subtle, subtler than space is the self, yes. because it perceives space. space. Space cannot perceive the self. Mm. So, when you say space-like, you say yes, because it's, there's no landing place. There's nothing you can show, and the nearest. You can find the nearest is space. You see, is the nearest uh, you know sort of sensation you can equate, but it's not. It's more than that. It's more subtle than space. So, how do I? How does one know when to stop? Or mm. I don't know. When the one who needs to know vanishes in the in the searching, uh. as as being independent of the search. This is why I say the one who begins the inquiry will not end the inquiry, but will be ended by the inquiry. Mm-hmm. As you you start out as a seeker, and if you're earnest in your seeking, you you get absorbed. The seeker vanishes in the in the discovery. The seeker becomes a discovery. You see, you cannot find a separateness. While the body is here, it continues to hold the, the, the possibility of perceiving true delusion, true illusions and delusions of the sense of separateness, but it's, it's not real. On what can we base a sense of separateness? Only upon our physicality. Because if something says, I am this body, I am not that body, so then it equates another, it's another. But what is the basis for individuality? What is the basis for, you know, Life or consciousness, you know. What are the the ingredients? In what way can it separate as consciousness? How can individuality be judged? How can you know singularity be judged? On what you know? At the moment, we have to agree that on the basis that you know, in each body, the conditioning that arises, even in the same circumstances, is going to be different depending upon some kind of factors that we can't quite explain or trace them you know it has something to do also with the the, the kind of construction of kind of the, the kind of male principle and female principle determine how the consciousness will behave and not just the male female principle but what that male and female principle is being exposed to true conditioning because one might be exposed to feel that you must act like a man another one might be not 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 given such a strong message the less you have um, all these kind of imprints the more you 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 are access to your universal universality you know the more information you have the more tight you become the more you know particular you become 
the less you are embedded, it's, it's embedded in your consciousness, all these impressions, the more universal you are experiencing. The more you are it's embedded in the consciousness, all these kind of like notions about man would be like to be a man, what it's like to be, you know, your age is very important and your career is very all these impressions form, then they they clutter up your possibility for awakening to the broader consciousness because it's not part of that paradigm. The paradigm is to is to get rich and to to be a man and to be true and to you know. So that's what the consciousness on the hypnosis is then, you know, is converted to believe that that is my, you know, that is that that that's my thing. That's that's my shape. And everybody's living in some kind of dogma, not necessarily a religious dogma, just the dogma of personhood. So, yes. And these things they they come become self-evident also through uh, meditation or you know stabilizing the attention in the isness. You know, but it's not enough only with this because there are certain trains, trains really, which which we must also do. Self inquiry is very important to even deepen, if you can say, that, deepen or intensify the seeking or make it more pure. You know, because the whole thing is to get back to that base, which is not impregnated with any sort of conceptual virus, so it's just functioning quite pure. When it's when it's found the base, then it can go back to concepts, but because they are not they are not anymore, it's not confused by the concepts, so it can use them. It's not be used by them, but first it must get baptized in its own emptiness. It must go there, and it's very difficult because the seeds of person of personhood is um, is steering the consciousness to to move in certain ways. To adopt certain kind of outlook, and um, it's very difficult to to understand how another culture can function or another set of values can be taken so seriously above yours or something. Is it? So all of these are contaminants in some way. Nevertheless, the consciousness, because it's one hundred percent there, it is so pure, you know, in its undiluted form. And it cannot really be diluted. It can only be be diluted through dreaming. When it imagines, say, when we imagine that, what I mean, that's what I mean by dreaming. When you imagine something else to be the case, and you believe in your imagining, you sort of believe them into existence for you experientially. So then you have to follow, you know, what your conclusions produce as a fruit. You live in that. So in a sense, we are kind of stripping back. Once you once you begin to see how it works, that the more empty you are, the more clean you see. Because most people we don't have that. We say, no, we need more. But in the true journey, you say you need less. Less is best. It's unclutters. More means you build up more. It's more stifling. More uh, you may say claustrophobic. Because we don't need it. You see, um, accumulated knowledge. Is a kind of what I would call the cholesterol of the of the, of the beingness, because it's actually it's not alive. It's like dead, dead food. Mm. The one who is free doesn't need collected knowledge. They are plugged into the powerhouse directly. So everything is coming. It's just spontaneous. It comes spontaneous. If a thing is needed, it just arises spontaneous because none of this is being guided by the the human um, paradigm. It is coming directly from the source. 
So the source doesn't need to plan anything because it is always in harmony with itself. So everything it does is disharmony. But from the perspective of the person who, is, who itself is a disharmony, every, whatever it thinks is harmony is not harmony. You see, it cannot. It's just a faulty instrument. So these are just uh, observations that come. You know, they become very, very clear. And again, it's not about collected knowledge. You know, it's really, uh, in a sense, it is transcending knowledge. Uh, transcendental knowledge is totally empty. So it's not really a knowledge in a classical sense. It's just um, a purity. And the one who is free, they don't carry around any concepts in their mind. They just everything is just like you put water in your mouth, you drink. It's so simple. You know, the ones who feel like you know, yes, I know something. They have some conceitedness about that. It's not how it is really. No, it's like the talking is moving on its own principle. The knowledge is expressing its own principle. That source from where they come is higher than all of them. You know. It doesn't even it doesn't even need to know that. It only mm. only when it wants to experience knowledge, then it makes itself have the sensation or the experience of knowing something. But there's nothing other than itself for it to know. Yeah. And yet you have to say it knows. It knows. But what? I mean, all the different organs in the body have different functions. You know, but they all work together to produce one sense of I. When you say I, it incorporates all of them, and the I of God incorporates the entire universe. You know, it doesn't know. You know, you don't say I the kidneys. I'm doing this kind of work today, but I the lungs is not incorporating. You know, when you say I, it you know it encapsulates the whole process and functioning. Everything is in it. So I. It can be this body. It can be then. It can be the entire universe, depending on how how mature uh, the consciousness uh, has reached back into itself. And by mature, I don't mean by having more. It's just how how little it has of impressions from the world to distort its perception. If it doesn't have anything in there, then it's just like uh, it's without need. Everything is moving appropriately. Appropriately, in the sense that even, even without intention, you know, its functioning cannot step out of the harmony. Even disharmony is is inside the great harmony. You know, and so it's it's not something the mind can understand like that. But the one who knows don't need the mind to understand anything. They're just happy and content in the in the in the self. It's just there's nothing. There's nothing more. There's nothing different. From the self to to leave or to get to, everything is the self. And if we want to turn the attention that's working for the self towards any to out towards any shape or any, you know, it immediately endows it with endow it with uh, with 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 uh, with unity. Everything is pulled in, so to speak. It's whatever this everything is. You see, I'm saying everything, but there's no such thing as. Ever. As each thing together makes the one thing, it's this all. Everything is the one thing, <laughs> but it it has to really just be found internally. 
you know otherwise it just becomes a kind of philosophy and it really doesn't it does, if you understand something just philosophically it doesn't have any points spiritually it's not, it's not worth you know it's got no calories it's got no worth nothing at all you know but when you understand something from the heart it's like that's one one little seed is worth 1000 points already if if I can make a joke it's like that Having said that, after maybe even hours and hours of debate, what actually are the, the is the environment or the conditions of of a sage? You know, it's it's completely inscrutable. It's just the most simple, total contentment. You know, like a true self-contentment. There's no pride of knowledge. There's no ambition. There's no, you know, future in that way or past. Everything is the oneself, and it is so totally self-satisfied. Maybe it wants to play all this diversity, just to just to just to enjoy its greatness. Uh, that's very human words, you know. Because if I look at it like that way, then you have to say that the ultimate is the biggest ego of all, because he just wants to enjoy. <laughs> he just wants to enjoy himself in so many different ways. We can say like this. But and never think yourself apart, like a piece of or apart from. If we, if we, someone in satsang said in a very beautiful, I was very happy that way they put it, because he said he had an experience. It's gone now, but when he experienced it, he saw that he was everything, and that everything was inside him. I said, this is the truth. This is truth. You know? He said actually he said, even death is inside me. So I lost the fear of dying because death is only also the unmovement inside me as the great consciousness. What was I to be afraid of? You know, all I'm looking at is just a kind of momentary ether you know, what I would say, ephemeral appearances of things, you know, inside the, the, the one self that cannot disappear. Everything is, is, is moving, shadow pictures moving inside the one. The mistake happened is that he was still perceiving himself in terms of individual personal terms as being the one. So of course the whole thing had to shift because then it becomes really super ego. And the one doesn't have any ego. So this one that was everything, it was a truthful experience, it was everything, but then something held, yes, I am this one personally. You know, he didn't say that, but he was feeling that, and a person cannot hold that. You know? So, came crashing down. There are things we can do, which is to, you know, draw more deeply into certain, into certain subtleties of introspections, and I would like to do that sometime. Find the right people, um, and uh, it's not about traveling in a distance, but just dissolving into more and more subtlety of, of seeing. And no, no. I mean, even other religions and other expressions of spirituality are afraid of this. What I'm speaking about, many of them, they come so far and uh, treat it like a practice. But uh, the truth eats up practices, 
you see? And, and um, they even want you don't go too far, don't go too far, you get a, because they're afraid. They're afraid to come to the place where there's no fear. <laughs> so, what makes that happen? The, we're still in the grip of the, the hands of the mind, of the delusion. No? It's very difficult because once you, you know, the body is here, the body, the vital force, the consciousness is there, and the focus upon them is there. If the focus on them is not so much there, then the, our sense of solidity it just melts into spirituality. We, like it becomes from matter to spirit. But if we focus on our body, like all our thoughts is about phenomenality, our sense of self is based upon into the world, into the body. It's very difficult to to grasp the subtle, you know. Um, and why to do it? I don't disturb anybody. I wouldn't disturb anyone. You know, if they are enjoying the life, they enjoy. Because it's grace that opens up your heart to make you really get on board. And it's doing it in many ways, you know, even through painful situations, is really, really good. It's a really good tool for God, you know. Because when we're not in painful situations, we are actually enjoying the honeymoon of the ego, basically. We just everything is nice, we just want nice, nice. Nice is okay. Actually, nice is best when you wake up, not before. If if nice come before you wake up, you go to sleep. You go to sleep meaning that uh, you lose the aspiration to go more deeply into the truth. You see, you just start to enjoy everything you want to enjoy. In a way, the mind wants just to enjoy because when you enjoy, enjoy, you sleep. And when you sleep, you don't have the aspiration for freedom. When you don't have the aspiration for freedom. You just sleep basically. Mm. <laughs> That's a funny thing. When you have the aspiration for freedom, basically the mind starts to rebel a bit. The carnal aspect of the mind start to rebel. Uh, why are you going there? Oh, you know, it's just miserable. We don't do anything. Sit around all day. Just, uh, it, it does a lot of fighting like that. So it takes fairly mature being inside, blessed being, to to see all the kind of like the the kind of um, the blackmail and the and the traps and the scams of the mind, and, and not to even we not even to react to them with any big. The, one of the most important functioning of the consciousness is not to go into personhood yourself. If you don't go into personhood, then you can't see everybody as personhood. You see it a little bit, but it's so superficial, you know. It's not a level that you treat with such respect. It's okay, it's fine. It's re- respect is there too. But what you know, what you know the thing really is inside, I mean, not just know it mentally. Pretty good. Om Namah Shivaya Om Namah Shivaya 